So I'm out in Rosemont and I run a private practice there. So I work with a lot of young adults, uh, adults and uh, not so much kids, but a lot of work with anxiety and depression and relationship issues, life decisions, kind of like just the typical things that most people struggle with. So I do that and then I also write. So I write articles for the Grotto Network, which is through Notre Dame, uh, for Verily Magazine, for a hospital that's out in San Antonio. Um, and a couple other publications too that I can't remember off the top of my head. And then I also wrote a book about self-care, which is what we're talking about today. So if you have any questions at all that I don't answer in my talk and you think of something later, I will give you my email. So you can go ahead and email me or you can follow me on Instagram and you can ask me a question there, whatever you want to do. Um, but that's a little bit about myself and, and what I do, but today we're going to be talking about self-care, and specifically I think self-care is college students, because you guys are in a really unique season of your life, right, where you're not exactly kids anymore, you're not exactly teenagers at home, but you're not quite 100% adults, right? You know, you're still, you're still figuring out school, you're still figuring out your future, and with that comes a lot of anxiety or concerns or questions, who am I, what do I want to do? Will I be successful in life, right? All of these things are very normal. We don't always verbalize them, right? We're sitting there thinking, am I the only one who thinks that I'm not gonna make it in life? But everybody's thinking that. So, um, so self-care in this season of life as a college student is really unique. So I'm hoping we can share some ideas with you today and answer some of the questions that you might have. One thing that'll be helpful though for me as we get started is to get an idea of what are some of the things that you find really stressful about college life. So if you want to just raise your hand, yes. What's stressful about college life? Sleep hygiene. Yeah, for sure, right? Because are you getting eight hours of sleep a night, every night? Are you going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time? Probably not, right? <laughs> Especially on the weekend, so that's a good one. What else is stressful? Yes. FOMO. Yeah, say more, <laughs> say more. Like what kind of things are you afraid of missing out on? If I'm studying, mm -hmm. then I'm not hanging out with my friends. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it's a really hard decision, right? Because you want to be, like, you want to go hang out with your friends, but you know if you don't finish this paper, you're not going to pass the class or whatever, and, you know, that can have consequences too. So you're having to make tough decisions, right? So, yeah, that's definitely one. So sleep, FOMO, what else? There's definitely more stressors. What Time about, pressure. who? Time pressure. Yeah, say more. Well, I mean, if you have a couple of exams one day, and then you also have to go to work, and you also have a lot of classes. Yeah. It could be a little stressful. Yeah, just simply scheduling, right? Because, you know, at this point in life, school is your full-time job, and then you also have your social life, and then you probably have an internship, or like you were saying, a job that you have to go to. You're juggling schedules. You're juggling homework. So you have a lot on your plate, and sometimes I think it can feel like a game of, I don't know, like moving puzzle pieces around or something, right? And saying, well, if I write my paper now and I, I pay attention the whole time and I don't get distracted, I'll get it done. But sometimes that doesn't happen and then we wind up feeling more stressed. So time is definitely one of them. Um, what else? Yes? Um, relationships, like whether it's friends, family, or you know, lover. Yeah, for sure. Like making time for them or even finding healthy relationships too, right? Like finding healthy friendships, maintaining a healthy relationship with your family, especially if you're living on campus and your family is somewhere else, right? That can be hard too because you're, 
I mean, I know when I was in college, it was easy for me to just be immersed in the college world. And then, you know, a week later, I'd think, oh, hey, I haven't talked to my mom in a while. Or I haven't talked to my sister and I'd have to give them a call. Right. And they'd be like, where were you? What were you doing? What, were you, what was up? Um, so maintaining those connections. Um, and then I think, too, in college, I don't know what it's like on your campus, but I went to the University of Dallas, which is in Texas, and that was a Catholic university. And so there was a lot of um, people are at really different stages in their life when I was there. So I had friends who were single. I had friends who were dating. I had friends who got engaged. I had friends who got married while we were in college. So everyone was at a different stage. And sometimes that can feel pressured too, right? If you're not in a relationship and you want to be, or maybe you feel like, I'm not ready to get married, but my friends are all getting engaged. Is that something I'm supposed to be doing too? So there can be kind of that um, stress there, like you said, of just relationships as well. So that's a good one. Any other challenges for being in college? Yes. Yeah, say more. What would be like an example? Even if you make one up, it doesn't have to be personal. Yeah, I think it can be really stressful, right? Like if you're doing like a group project maybe and you feel like it's not going the way you want it to and that can affect your grade, that can be really stressful. Um, I think it can be stressful with um, even like planning for the future. I know that's not exactly what you were saying, but just kind of what am I doing with my life, right? And, and where am I going and am I going to make the right decision? And, you know, depending on what year you guys are in, choosing a major, right? That can feel like a big decision too. I definitely changed mine, and anytime I work with clients who are in college or in high school, I tell them, you can change it, don't worry, it's not set in stone, right? You're not having to make the biggest decision of your life right now. It's important, but it's not the biggest decision. Um, so any other, any other stressors? Yes? Finding time to work out and eat healthy. Yeah, just basic, like, I mean, that falls under the self-care category, right? Like working out and then eating healthy, how is that challenging in college? Look, I live right next to Popeyes. And oh, <laughs> well, there you go, right? It's delicious. <laughs> and it's convenient, too, probably, right? So you're thinking, well, I could either go, what, to the dining hall and get a salad or some protein. I live, I live by myself, so, like, I have to go all the way to Jewel, buy groceries, and, mm -hmm. like, it's hard. And then I have my mom to cook for me. Anymore, right. So. Right? It's so like, it's a lot harder. Yeah. And that seems a lot easier to just go and, and grab something quick, right? Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, that's definitely a challenge. So there's, I mean, there's lots of things that make going to college hard, but that's not to say it's all awful, right? That's not true either. So there are good things about going to college too. What are some of the good things about going to college? Why are you all still here? Why didn't you go running, <laughs> screaming away? Yes? Yeah, like this is an important, you know, it's uh, like an investment in your future, right? You're studying a subject that you love and hopefully pursuing a career or life path that you're passionate about. So, yeah, for sure, the rewards. Were you going to say something? Challenging. Yeah. Also performance. Yes, for sure. I think that's one of the nice things about going to school is that you get that, you have benchmarks, right, where you can say, okay, I got a B in this class. I know that I did well, right? Or I got a C in this class, my goal next semester is to get a, a B, so now I can I can meet that challenge and, and try to keep succeeding. And yes, so that's definitely a good part of college. What else? Yes? There's like a ton of people who are in the 
life as you. Like yeah, it's a community, yeah. right? Where you can come together yeah. and and I think something like a like the Newman Center here is great because you can find people who have common interests and common beliefs, and you can support each other, and you can find a friend network, and and I think be exposed to different ideas too, which is really cool because. You know, you grow up in your home environment, which is a really good place to kind of learn just sort of like the basics of being a human being, right? But then as you become an adult, you get to go out and you get to be, talk to different people and experience different things and formulate your own ideas about the world. And that's really where college, you know, that's where it happens is in college too. So yeah, and then I think just even forming friendships and things like that as well. So all of that community is, is good there too. So yes, there are reasons to still be in college, right? And that's why we're talking about it. Um, but to help with those challenges is really why I wanted to talk about self-care because I know from my own experience in college, I wish I knew about self-care. It wasn't a buzzword that it is today. It wasn't something that people talked about. And I mean, I'm making myself sound ancient here, but really it wasn't, it wasn't something that we talked about. So when I was in college, I was, um, I went to school and then I did, I had an internship that I would go to and then I had clubs that I would go to and it felt like every moment I was doing something for someone else or something that I quote unquote should do and I had no time to myself. So I was running from A to B and I was exhausted and I totally stressed myself out um, to the point where I was just tired all the time, right? Where it would be like two in the afternoon and all I wanted to do was sleep and I didn't want to spend time with friends because I was just so exhausted. So when I went home for the summer, this was like my junior year, I kind of had to reset and just like take it easy and reprioritize and get back on track for senior year. Um, but I never knew what the term self-care was. And I only started hearing about it when I went to grad school to study to be a therapist. And that's when I started learning more and more about it. And I thought, this is exactly what I wish I had when I was a junior in college, right? I wish I knew how important it was to take care of myself and that I have to take care of myself first before I can do all of these other things. Otherwise, I'm going to be exhausted and tired and I won't be able to function and I won't want to hang out with my friends and I'll feel like I am just like running on fumes. And that is not a good reason to stay in college, right? It wasn't fun. It was draining. It was exhausting. I wasn't experiencing all those good things that we just mentioned. So I want to kind of give you the advice that I wish I had when I was a junior um, in college and share those things with you and see how we can personalize it to your own experiences too. So with self-care, like I said, it's a buzzword, right? I have a little alert set up on my phone where Google I think it's called Google Alerts. Do you guys use that at all for anything? Yes, Father? Um, so I have it set for self-care. And every day it sends me like three articles, the three top articles about self-care. So it's something that's written about everywhere. But I think there are a lot of misconceptions about self-care. So when you hear the term self-care, what comes to mind? It can be positive or negative, And there's no right answer. It's just what you've heard. So what are some things about self-care that you either think of or you've heard of or you read an article about? Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, so basic kind of practices of taking care of your like physical health, right, and physical well-being. Yes, for sure. What else? Things you've heard about self-care. Positive self-talk. Yeah, positive self-talk is definitely one, and that would go back to your comment about like negative thinking, right? Having trouble thinking positively. So positive self-talk. Yes, very good. Yes. Spiritual hygiene, like. Yeah. Like confession and praying. Yeah, exactly. I think that's something that's 
easily forgotten about just kind of in the larger world, right? Because a lot of people don't really spend time investing in their spiritual lives and that can fall by the wayside, but that's a really important part too. Were you gonna say? Yeah. I saw the hand kind of go up. Mm -hmm. So how you interact with other people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Healthy relationships, we Mm -hmm. could say, for sure. Yeah, so you guys are all naming some of the big categories of self-care, right? Like physical self-care, emotional self-care, spiritual self-care, relationships, right? Those are all the kind of the big four areas of self-care that I like to talk about. Um, But I think before we get to those four areas, I think it's important to talk about what self-care is in general, because a lot of people think of it as more of like a self-indulgent practice, right? Where I just need to take time for myself. I'm going to go, I don't know, just do what I want to do and shut out the world. And that's a form of self-care, right? I'm just going to do whatever I want. Um, And that kind of takes on like a selfish tone, right? Is that really helping you become a healthier person and a better person in the world? Not necessarily. So the self-care that we're talking about can actually be really hard sometimes. It's a discipline, right? It's hard to go get the healthy meal, right? When Popeye's is around the corner and why can't you just go there? Or it's easy to let negative thoughts and negative self-talk kind of trip you up and, and you start to find yourself not thinking positively anymore. Or it's hard to make sure you get enough sleep. So self-care can really be a discipline and it's not always something that's easy to do, but why do we do it, right? Why, why spend the time to do these hard things? It's because it makes you a better person, right? It helps you be the fullest version of yourself so that you can be the best at whatever it is you're called to do. Because we all believe that we're called by God to something specific, right? We have a unique calling in life and unique vocation. And vocation doesn't necessarily mean your job. It doesn't mean whether you're supposed to be single or married or in the religious life. It means what, what unique combination of talents and gifts have you been given that you can use to better the world and bring others closer to God, right? So in order to live out your vocation fully, you have to take care of yourself. Because if you're running on fumes, like I was when I was a junior in college, you're not giving your best self, right? You're kind of giving the exhausted version of yourself, and you're not really making a difference as much as you'd like to. But if you're taking care of yourself, you can make that difference. So that's why we talk about self-care, right? Sometimes it can bless you. Sometimes it seems counterintuitive. Why would I want to take care of myself when I could be going and helping other people? But it's sort of like the oxygen mask analogy. You guys may have heard of that before. but You know when you're flying and the flight attendant tells you, okay, if the cabin pressure drops, you should put on your oxygen mask first before you put it on the mask of the person next to you if they need help, right? Why? Why do you need to put your mask on first? Like, why do they tell you that? What's the reason? Yes. So you don't pass out from that? Yeah, because if the oxygen masks are dropping, your cabin is losing pressure, right? And so if you pass out first, you won't be able to put the mask on the person next to you and then two people are unconscious, right? And not able to take care of themselves. So if you put your mask on first, then you're able to help the person next to you. So when you practice self-care, it's like putting on your oxygen mask, right? And taking care of yourself first so that you can be there for the people in your life that God has called you to serve in whatever way that is. Did you have something you wanted to say? It also might be harder to put the mask on the other person. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And what if they're scared? If it's a little kid and they're scared, right? And you're having to explain to them and they're taking so much time and then all of a sudden you're both not able to put your masks on, right? Yes. So, exactly. So I think that's a really helpful analogy, the oxygen mask analogy, because it really paints that picture of you have to take care of yourself so that you're able to do the things that you're meant to do or that you're called to do. 
um, and you can't do those if you're not taking care of yourself. So that leads us to those four big areas, right? So physical self-care, spiritual self-care, emotional self-care, and then relational self-care. And I'm not going to go through all of them in great detail just because of time, but to give you a sense of what falls in each of those categories and some things that you guys can be doing in college. Um, And then we can, I have a short, fun exercise we can do to kind of demonstrate something you can use, and then we'll do questions. So... So for physical self-care, we've already kind of started talking about some of those things. So sleep is important, obviously. Eating is important. Nutrition's really important. And um, I'm sorry, those are the same thing, right? So (laughs) sleep, nutrition, um, and exercise is what I was thinking of. And then along with those comes body image. Um, So really just like thinking positively about yourself, right? I think it can be easy... Um, when it comes to sleep and nutrition and exercise, if you're not doing those things, it can affect your body image, right? Because you're saying, well, I feel really tired and I just feel super gross and I look gross and I hate myself, right? And that just takes you down this downward spiral. So those four things are interrelated. But really quickly for sleep, for your age group, your recommended amount of sleep is seven to eight hours a night. And I know it's super hard to do, but you should be going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time, even on weekends, right? That would be like dream schedule, right? That everybody wants to know. Not necessarily realistic, um, but kind of figuring out what works well for you. That's the most important thing, right? Self-care isn't about being perfect. It's not about checking off boxes. It's knowing what you need and helping you to get to that point where you're giving yourself what you need, right? And again, you're doing this not because it's selfish, but because you're so that you can take care of yourself, so you can be the best version of yourself to the other people in your life that you're called to serve. Um, so tips for just getting good sleep. Um, does anybody know some good ones? Like, for example, should you have the TV on while you're falling asleep? No, right? Because it, it prevents you from falling asleep. Yes? Yeah, so just taking, like, thinking basic relaxation can be really helpful. You can download an app, yes? A cold shower. Do you know why that works? Yeah, exactly. And that tells your body to start preserving your core and then going into that parasympathetic, activating your parasympathetic nervous system, right? So it sounds counterintuitive, but yes, cold water. Um, yes? Counting the sheeps. Counting the sheep, yes, yes. It's actually, it does work. So sometimes I'll tell my clients to pair counting with deep breathing um, because sometimes when you're trying to fall asleep, you're worrying or you're thinking about the next day, right? You're like, okay, so when I wake up tomorrow, I have to finish this paper, I have to go to class, I have a presentation to give, I have to have a conversation with a friend I don't wanna have and then you just start like worrying about everything you need to do. So if you can count your sheep and then pair it with deep breathing, which actually does relax your muscles, it's a relaxation exercise, um, that can help you fall asleep faster without worrying. So, yes? Listening to peaceful music or ASMR videos? Yeah, yeah, listening to peaceful music, again, is that relaxation, right? Yes, Father? Um, If my mind's racing, I'll pray the rosary, and there's the added benefit that your guardian angel finishes your rosary, you fall asleep. Oh, that's good to know. I didn't know that. I like that. That's a good one. And that's like counting sheep, but in a prayerful, grace-filled way, right? And you have to find it in the sheets around the floor. Yeah, right. Where's my rosary? Yes, exactly. Yes? I was going to say, one type of movement was watch a movie until we knock out. Uh-huh. Or sleep over. 
But another, I mean, sometimes that helps. <laughs> but at the same time, but at the same time, I would, I would also recommend listening to soft, smooth music. Yeah, something that's calming, right? Yes. So not necessarily like Action. heavy metal whatever type stuff, I don't know. Um, but yeah, something relaxing would be good. Yeah, so all of those are good suggestions. Yes, you have one? I was gonna say, like, I usually try to do like a lot of different things, try to like do as much as possible within the day, but you know, the, at the nighttime, before I go to sleep, I just have to stop thinking about yeah. everything. Yes. And one thing I do to, I guess, relieve anxiety, like, oh, but I still need to think about all these things I need to do tomorrow, is I actually like text myself. Oh, things, like, oh okay, that's a good idea. Yeah, because so now you have it recorded and you're not worried about forgetting yeah. it or anything. Yeah, that's a good strategy. Or you could like write it down if you wanted to write it down too. Yeah, because yeah. your brain's thinking I have to hold these now for like the next eight hours and can't forget them, right? And that's stressful. <laughs> yeah, so you guys, you already have some strategies that you're using and I think it's important to think about developing kind of like a bedtime routine, right? Like when you were little, you were toddlers, you definitely had a bedtime routine, right, that your parents wanted you to do um, or whoever you were, whoever was taking care of you. So you probably put your pajamas on and you read a story and then you brushed your teeth or maybe you had a snack first, right? But that was a way of sig signaling to your brain and creating that habit that it was time to start calming down and going to bed. So we need to do that as adults too. So think to yourself, what kind of routine would you like to craft that would help you kind of wind down at night, signal to your brain that it's time to start decompressing and letting go of the stress of the day and, you know, whether that's preparing for your next day by writing some stuff down, listening to some relaxing music, um, counting sheep, praying the rosary, doing some deep breathing all together, right? So, but creating your own self-care routine at night to help you decompress from a busy day and prepare for the next day because sleep is really important right a lot of a lot of things happen during sleep um, and they still don't really know everything that does but your brain kind of cleans itself and your muscles are repairing and, and your memories are consolidating and you're working through things as you sleep so it's a really important thing to do even though it's easy probably to say well I could be doing you know I maybe have some FOMO right like I, I know I'm supposed to go to bed right now but there's all these things I want to do so um, that brings in the discipline side of self-care I guess you could say but, um, you know, nutrition, um, you know, I'm not a nutritionist, but essentially, you know, eating well-balanced, healthy meals and making sure that you're getting what you need protein-wise, carbs, veggies, all those things is important. Um, and then moving, just exercising, right? And that doesn't mean that you have to be a hamster on a treadmill. That can mean going outside and, and playing ultimate frisbee with your friends or going for a walk and, you know, having a walking meeting with your study group instead of one where you're sitting down, but just kind of trying to move more. That's important too, especially with stress because exercise has been shown to reduce um, anxiety and depression and help you manage stress. So actually has a, uh, serves a purpose too. It's not just something that you should do, it's something that you get a benefit out of. Um, let's see, we can talk about, I'm trying to think of what other categories to, to talk about. I guess spiritual self-care would be a good one. Um, you know, which we kind of just talked about briefly, but just, you know, investing in your spiritual life because um, what, you, what you believe informs everything that you do. And so if you're investing in self-care from a spiritual standpoint, that's going to have a spillover effect into all the other areas of your life, right? Um, so, Father, can I put you on the spot and ask you for some self-care in the spiritual life? Like, what are some good things to kind of just maintain that 
Um, I think the the morning ritual, like you're saying about um, having a regular nighttime ritual, it's helpful to have a good morning ritual as well. Um, so like, you know, not immediately going to your phone or not immediately going to music or something, um, but to have that quiet time, because a lot of times your first, even if you're not a morning person, which I'm not, your most attentive hour, maybe all day, or your most clean hour where your mind's not full of other stuff, right when you wake up because of all those benefits of sleeping mm -hmm. so to at least take some time to offer that to God and to let him kind of bless your day uh, thank him for your existence and all that also some routine of examination of conscience on a regular basis um, easy way to think of examination of conscience is like if your day is a tape you just re hit rewind like 12 hours 24 hours or something and then hit play and watch it with God together and um to notice some of the happies and crappies, you know, like mm -hmm. what, where has God really blessed me to thank him for it? Where are some places where either I'm my own worst enemy or something's just happening and I need to deal with it and, and uh, relate this to God. Um, we had, I did a whole talk on prayer last night actually, which is on our podcast, oh. which this, uh, talk will be on as well. So, so go listen to the podcast, yeah. right? <laughs> Get some more spiritual ideas. Yeah, and I think, you know, like you were saying, when you're doing an examination of your day, I think it can help also direct you into areas where you're, you're feeling drained um, because you're not taking care of yourself, right? Like maybe, you know, kind of seeing how the impact of not getting enough sleep is impacting your day and your ability to serve others and kind of making those connections. But I think from a spiritual standpoint, it carries more weight because of your vocation and what you're called to, and it's not just... Well, I got to take care of myself because I'm supposed to. It's I have this calling that I need to to meet, and so I need to take care of myself that I'm so that I'm ready to do that when I'm called to. Um, let's see. Let's talk about relationships for a second. I think the biggest thing that's important with healthy relationships is just knowing, um, kind of knowing what a healthy relationship is and isn't, and that's like a whole nother talk, right? So I don't want to overwhelm you with that, but. One thing I think that can be helpful thinking about that is boundaries. Is that something that you guys talk about ever, um, you know, with lectures or anything? No, not really. Okay. So boundaries are essentially you knowing what you're okay with in relationships and what you're not okay in, with relationships. And that can extend from interactions with family, interactions with friends, coworkers, classmates, someone you're involved with romantically. It runs across the board, right? So boundaries are, it can be something like, um, it can be something as simply saying, no, I'm not going to go to that party because I know that I need to call my mom or I know that I need to write this paper. So kind of setting a line and saying, I'm, I'm saying no to this invitation. I don't have to say yes just because someone asked me to. Um, you know, I think sometimes we're tempted to be people pleasers, right? And we want to make everyone else happy, but sometimes that can be at our own detriment, right? If we're running from here to there and doing things for other people. Uh, for the wrong reasons, right? Because we want to make them happy, not because it's good for them or, or good for everybody as a whole. So if you're interested in learning more about boundaries, because like I said, it's a huge topic and there's just so much you can talk about. There are, um, there's a series of books and the first one's called Boundaries. So it's super easy to remember. And it's by these Christian doctors, um, Cloud and Townsend are their, their last names and they're really good. So if you're wanting to dive more into that, you can look into that and if you forget the name, just email me and I'll, I'll let you know what it is. Um, and then emotional self-care is really important as well and that's really 
we're affected physically by stress, but we're also affected emotionally by stress, right? And that's where, you know, anxiety or worry or just feeling sad and overwhelmed can come in because of all of those negative things about college life that we were just talking about at the beginning today. So some of the things that can help with just handling that worry and that stress from an emotional standpoint is watching just the way that you're thinking. Um, so I'm going to point back to you and you mentioned negative thoughts, right, at the beginning. And that can happen a lot when you're stressed, right, where you start having what are called cognitive distortions, which is just like a really complex. Are there any psych majors here? Yes. Okay, so what's a cognitive distortion? Have you guys covered that? Have you covered that? Yeah. Yeah, very good. Good explanation. So basically, it's essentially um, we have these set of beliefs that we decide are true, whether or not they're true, and we live our life according to them. Um, so it could be something like, I'm not good at school, and I'll never get a good grade, so why even try? right? And is that a positive and uplifting way of thinking? No. Is it true? Not necessarily, right? We're not all meant to be perfect, score, perfect scoring students, um, you know, high achieving. I think we're told that's like the right thing to do, but that's not always true. So I know when I went to high school, I, did anybody go to Bennett Academy? No, it's out in Lyle. They were like a high pressure school. Are you nodding your head? Yeah, so they were like a very high pressure school. Like the day, your freshman year, your very first day, they were talking to you about your college applications. So they were telling you everything you do should be to prepare to go to college. So I joke, half joke, that I've never worked harder in my life than when I was in high school because it was just like crazy. And so when it came time for the ACTs and the SATs, everyone was like, what did you get? And you know, someone of course got a perfect score and then you were feeling like, oh my gosh, I didn't get a perfect score. Does that mean I'm not smart? Am I gonna get into the school I wanna get into? And then you find out that you didn't need a perfect score to get into the college that you wanted to get into, right? And that when you're a freshman in college and you're meeting people, no one at my school said to me, what did you get on your ACT, right? Like no one cared about that anymore, but that was such a big deal in college. So just that sense of competition and stress and, and these beliefs that we give to ourselves that I have to be perfect, and if I'm not perfect, then I'm, I'm a mess, right? If I don't get a perfect score, if I don't have the perfect life or the perfect friend or the perfect boyfriend or the perfect girlfriend or perfect career, whatever, then I'm a mess. Um, but none of us are perfect, right? We all make mistakes, and so we're going to feel let down. We're going to feel disappointed in ourselves, but that doesn't mean that we're a bad person or that we're a failure or that we're hopeless. But when we have those negative thoughts, that's what we tell ourselves, right? So watching how you're thinking is really important. And that's something that if you're really wanting to learn more about, you can read about it, but you can also go to your campus wellness center and talk to the counselors there too, because they can kind of give you some tips based on your unique situation as well. Um, so I think it's a good time to move into an activity, because I have been talking for a long time. So we're gonna do, it's another stress relieving thing that kind of addresses like emotional and physical. Um, so we're going to talk about being in the present moment. So we have two options. You can do both if you want, but lotion. So you either need to do a pump of lotion in your hand, and I'll tell you what to do, or grab a chocolate, okay? So we're just going to chocolate around. There's no right or wrong answer. Do you want to, is it too much? Okay. We'll just pass that. Are people going to say no to chocolate? Okay. 
Okay, so um, someone was talking about relaxation in the back um, before, right, with sleep. Can I put you on the spot for a second? So why is relaxation important? Like, why do our bodies need to be in a relaxed state? Why can't we always be in, like, fight, flight, or freeze? So it's like if you're sleeping in a particular position, and uh, so one of the muscles is positioned in a way it's, it's not supposed to. Mm -hmm. it, your, your brain keeps on receiving the signals that, okay, something's not okay. And it kind of keeps your brain active, you know. Right. So we have like the brain looks after like two functions, so voluntary and involuntary. Mm -hmm. So voluntary are the ones which we can control by ourselves, and involuntary are the ones which the brain controls automatically. Mm -hmm. So in sleep, I feel that it's only the involuntary functions which are supposed to, you know. Right. Yeah, Keep so going. Right. Yeah. So yeah. If, if if there is anything other than that signal. Your brain keeps them, it's busy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's hard to relax, right? That's that's just uh, as far as I'm. Yeah, yeah, and I think you're right, and it, and I think it's a similar thing when you're awake. You know, when you're stressed, your body's sympathetic nervous system is activated. That's sort of like the gas pedal, right? So that means that everything is paying attention in your body. Your um, your essentially your body is sort of like ready to go into like a fight, flight, or freeze mode. Right, it's kind of looking for danger or things that it needs to pay attention to. So it's, it's working hard and it's activated. But when you are relaxed, your parasympathetic nervous system is activated, and that's more like the brakes, right? So that means that your heart rate goes down, your blood pressure goes down, your breathing slows, you're getting more oxygen to your brain, which is a good thing. And the opposite happens when you're stressed. So when you're stressed or you're in fight, flight, or freeze, your heart rate goes up, your breathing becomes more shallow, your muscles are tense. Um, did I say your blood pressure already? Yes, and so you're getting less oxygen to your brain as well. So all of those things are good in the moment to help your body respond to stress and danger, but it's not good long term. So that's why relaxation is really important, and I think as college students, we can, you, know, you can all benefit from re relaxation, right? Because it can be pretty stressful, uh, especially around like finals week those types of things, right? So the exercise that we're gonna do is gonna help to address that. So before we get started, um, I want you guys to think back to probably like maybe kindergarten or first grade when you talked about your five senses. What are your five senses? It's a pop quiz. <laughs> So when you are activating all five of your senses, which is what we want to do when you're relaxing, you're thinking, okay, what am I seeing? What am I hearing? What am I smelling? What am I feeling? What am I tasting? Right? And when you're activating all five of your senses, you're taking your brain out of worry mode, which is what do I have to do today? I'm worried about this. I'm scared about that. I'm upset about this. I can't believe I have to do this. How am I going to get all done? And you're moving everything and all of your focus over into what's happening in the present moment, right? And when you're in the present moment, you can't worry about what's happening or what might happen in the future, and you can't worry about something that's happened in the past. So being in the present moment is a great place to be in a state of relaxation. And when you're using all five of your senses, it's the best way to help put you in that present moment, right? It helps to keep your mind from wandering and helps to keep you focused. So what I want you to do is if you have the lotion, um, I want you to think about, as you're rubbing it into your hands, I want you to think about activating all five of your senses. So you're thinking about 
what does the lotion look like, right, on my hands as I rub it in? What does it feel like as I'm rubbing it in? Do I smell anything? I wouldn't recommend tasting it, but that's up to you, <laughs> right? Um, and then what do you hear as you're rubbing it in? Because it's going to make a noise, right? And then if you have the chocolate, do the same thing. Focus on what does it sound like to unwrap the chocolate from the foil? What do I smell? What am I, what am I feeling as I bite into it? Is the chocolate hard? Is it soft? Um, what do I see? What am I missing for that one? You can hear the wrapper. You can taste it. It's going to taste pretty good, right? <laughs> and then feeling, yeah. And then how do you feel when you're eating it? So just take a moment to do that. And if you want to try both of them, you're welcome to. There's the lotion over there and the chocolate. So if anyone wants more chocolate or... So think about using all five of your senses and in, in now in, your, in that feeling of just being present. So I was telling uh, Becca earlier that sometimes um, therapists will do exercises with this but with a raisin because it's all like wrinkly. So you get more of that texture when you're eating it, when you feel it. So um, that can help. And, and I guess I should have said this at the beginning, but this is a mindfulness exercise, right? Mindfulness is all about being in the present moment. So anybody have any reactions to, it doesn't have to be life-changing or anything, but just what was the experience like? Was it easy to pay attention? Was it hard? Did it feel silly? Maybe. <laughs> any thoughts at all? Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of taking like a mini break, right? Like it's taking those 30 seconds to just be in the present moment, forget about the assignment that you have to do. And I like it that because you can do it anywhere. You know, if you're, I don't know, if you're taking the bus on your commute to wherever you're going, you can do it when you're there. You can close your eyes, you can think about like, even what's it like to be on the bus? What am I hearing, right? What do I see? What do I feel? The bus moving underneath me, on, I feel it on my feet or whatever. Um, but activating all five of those senses can give you that break, uh, especially when you're stressed. And you can do it when you're studying. If you're like, oh my gosh, my brain can't take anymore. I need, I need to do something. Go in and take yourself somewhere, whether it's you know getting coffee or getting tea or grabbing something to eat and focus on all five of those senses. Um, or even, you know, you could, you could come here and go to the chapel and kind of put yourself in the presence of God. And again, you can use all five of your senses to do that too. So I like that strategy because you can, you can take it and generalize it to many situations, right? It doesn't have to be lotion. It doesn't have to be chocolate. All it is is about engaging all five of your senses. And you can do that anywhere you go, anytime you need to. And it's a great way to, again, put yourself in that present moment and let go of all of those stresses that you know, are more than happy to walk around with you all day, right? So this is your chance to take a break from them. Um, could anybody see themselves using this or something similar in school or studying? Maybe, yes, give it a try. And I think if you look it up online, if you just kind of type in mindfulness ideas, there's all different things that come up, like guided imagery, which is basically closing your eyes and imagining a really peaceful place, and then using all five of your senses in an imaginary sense to what would it be like to be there. So if you were on the beach, you know, feeling the, the wind blowing, hearing the waves, tasting the salt um, in the air, feeling the sand, you know, those kinds of things. Um, and again, give you kind of like a mini brain break, which is what we're talking about. When you're studying, you need those brain breaks, and this is a great one. 
Question? Yeah, that's actually a great, um, a great point, and it helps you to, like you said, if you're really paying attention to what you're doing rather than going through the motions, you're more intentional about it, and that gives you an option to choose whether or not you want to do it too, right? Like, am I smoking without even knowing that I'm smoking, right? I'm not even thinking about it, my hand's grabbing my pack of cigarettes, or am I saying, okay, I'm picking up my cigarette, I'm going to light it, do I actually want to do this, right? Instead of going through, yeah, so breaking habits can be a good one for that too. Um, so I want to kind of leave you with that strategy, um, but I think we have some time for questions. So if anybody has questions that they want to ask about self-care, stress management in college, you can raise your hand, or if you want to text it, you're welcome to text it too. Did you have any questions? Yeah, I have a few. Oh, okay. Um, so we'll start with this one. What tips do you have about getting into the discipline of improving your self-image? So how do you, how do you get into that discipline of actually improving your Mm -hmm. I think one of the most important things for getting into a discipline is having a why. So, in other words, um, what is your reason for doing it? Are you trying to work on your self-image because that's just what you're supposed to do and you know that it's bad? Or do you truly believe that you deserve better and so you want to work on it? So I think identifying your why is really important. Um, same thing with self-care, right? You have to believe in, in self-care and why it makes sense to even do it. Otherwise, you're just going through the motions and it's not going to stick. So I would say before starting any discipline, having your why. Why are you doing this? And then along with that is being as specific as possible with your goals. So being really concrete and not just saying, I'm going to be better about my self-image because that's very vague. How do you know you've reached your goal then, right? So you want to say something like, I'm going to, every morning when I wake up, I'm going to write a positive statement about my self-image and I'm going to set a reminder on my phone so it pops up every two hours so I'll see it every day, right? So you've got something more concrete for a discipline, I would say. Okay. And then how does time management fit into self-care? That is a good question, right? Because it probably feels like how am I supposed to make time for self-care when I have so many other things going on, right? Um, so I think... Self-care can sometimes seem like a, sometimes I joke it feels like you need to go on like a, a weekend retreat somewhere like in an island and just like take care of yourself but the reality is we all live busy lives and so with time management I think it's about identifying where your priorities are and scheduling things according to those priorities right so if self-care is a priority then you will make time for it um, if you are I don't know um, school's a priority, right? So making sure you're using your time to make school a priority. And then cutting out those things that aren't a priority and aren't healthy, right? So um, like a silly example, but a really effective one for me personally was I would always have, when I was working on my computer writing articles, I always had my email tabs open. And so every time an email came in, my attention immediately shifted from the article I was writing and what I was supposed to be doing and went over to, ooh, who sent me an email, right? And then I'd go look at it, and then, you know, 15 minutes later, I've done 100 things, but not what I was supposed to be doing. So I just no longer open my email tabs, right? When I, I just X them out, and then I don't think of them. And then I'm able to stay more focused, and I write my articles, and I use my time more wisely. So from a time management perspective, I identified my priority, right? And I said, this is time to write my article, not to check my email. 
And then I cut out those things that were preventing me from doing that, which were really simple, but open tabs. So once I cut those out, it was a lot easier for me to pay attention. So, yes, Father. Uh, well, if you have more thoughts on that, I'd like to hear. But one, one thing that, to me, uh, was indispensable in all these things, but any discipline that I have tried to uh, adopt in my life, it's always helped to have somebody help me do that. Like an accountability exactly. person? Exactly. So when I was in college, a big shift for me was um, friends that would hold me accountable and who I had agreed with them to hold them accountable. So things like working out, calling mom, going to class, getting homework done, praying every day, like things, self-care things on all levels that we knew we should be doing but um, weren't doing. And, you know, like anything, bad habits, there's all this self-deception and stuff. Like in the moment, you, you know when you feel good, like I should do that and I want to do that, but then something else competes. And more often than not, your friends are actually deterrent to you doing the thing you know you should do mm -hmm. rather than the ones encouraging you. So just having some friends who you agree with like, hey, I want to exercise three times every week. Uh, so like in a week, let's get coffee and then I'll tell you whether I did that or not. Yeah. And you hold me accountable and you got to go also vice versa. And I think that that has the added benefit of helping you with your self-image because a lot of times mm -hmm. your self-image is like what you hope everybody, well, you're, you're always trying to project, like, I'm really good. Look at me, I'm doing, I've got everything in order. Um, but inside, you know you don't. Mm -hmm. And so you feel like a hypocrite or a liar. Yeah. Um, to have somebody you confide in that actually knows what you're struggling with and the things that you find difficult um, and sympathizes with that and also tells you their stuff. And like, you have a, a, a relationship that's real. Yeah. And that immediately makes you feel more like you're not alone. Yeah, because I think a lot of times you walk around just sort of like back to that negative thinking or cognitive distortion. I think we walk around thinking everyone else is perfect and I'm like the failure. You know, I have all these faults. So when you talk to other people and, and share your struggles with someone that you trust, you learn from each other and you support each other, but you also get to see, okay, not everybody else is perfect. And that's okay, you know, because you like your friends even though they're not perfect. You want to spend time with them. Um, and I think it just helps with being more compassionate towards ourselves, too, because we need to hold ourselves accountable, but we don't need to beat ourselves up and tear ourselves down, right? We need that encouragement, and that can come from, you know, that accountability friend that you might have. But, yeah, and strength in numbers, right? It's more fun to go to the gym with a friend than it is to go by yourself most of the time. So thanks for sharing. That kind of ties into another question. Um, how do you help others understand the importance of self-care, especially mm -hmm. if they're struggling with Yeah, um, I think that kind of goes back to like understanding the why um, behind things, right? So knowing it's either, you know, if we're talking about helping a friend, I guess, helping that friend see that they are worth investing the time that self-care takes, right? That they're worth taking care of because a lot of times if we don't like ourselves, it shows up in tiny ways, right? So if we don't like ourselves then we might be in an unhealthy relationship because we think like I don't deserve to be in a healthy relationship so this is what I deserve this unhealthy one right or um, you know I don't exercise and eat right because I couldn't be healthy anyway I'm a failure I can't stick to anything so you know I'm, I'm not even gonna try right so when you don't like yourself it can show up in these ways and so helping a friend I think is helping them to see that they're worth taking care of right that they are valuable they have dignity right and and God loves them and that you love them and that you 
are there for them in their suffering and you think that they're they're better than that right and that you want to help them but obviously in a compassionate way right we all need that compassion so that's what I would say to that question um other questions yes in response to how you said about about how people drive themselves to think negatively to the level where they can't think positively anymore yeah how do, what kind what kind of strategy what what would you recommend to like rewire that, that mentality mm-hmm. so that they can start yeah yeah, that's a good question, because um, it, it can feel like a habit, right? If you're thinking negatively, it's like you don't even know you're doing it sometimes. Um, but the first step is recognizing it. So catching yourself when you're thinking that way and saying, okay, I'm immediately jumping to these negative thoughts, which usually include things like always or never, right? Like I'm, I'm always terrible in school, or I never succeed, or... I'm never a good friend or people always don't want to be around me. So kind of recognizing those catchwords and then basically disproving them. So saying, okay, is it true that I'm always a bad friend or that no one ever wants to hang out with me? Because I think for most of us, we can find situations where that's not true, right? But our brain likes to say, nope, you're terrible at everything and you're awful, right? So you have to prove it wrong. Think of being on like the debate team, right? So your brain's over here saying you're terrible at everything and your job is to step over here to the other side of the aisle and say, no, I can prove you wrong with real evidence, right? Like here, here, and here. So that's, it's a very, um, that's a very like simplified explanation of what you can do, but essentially recognizing it and then proving it wrong. So challenging it using real life situations that have actually happened to you. Yeah. Uh, what would be like a good strategy to develop a habit? I mean, like if there's, say suppose uh, I want to go and work out in the gym, mm-hmm. but uh, either I'm too lazy mm-hmm. or I don't have time, I'm busy with other stuff mm-hmm. that I can make it. Uh, so. And when I start, it's like, you know, uh, the first two, three days, I'm like, this is okay, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I just find after a while that, okay, I'm not doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. I just lost all the motivation and back yeah. to what I was doing. So what would be a good strategy to develop a habit? Mm-hmm. I mean, it can be anything, like working out or studying. Or sure. But just habits in general. Habits. Yeah. Well, like I think... I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Converting your like, actions mm-hmm. into like, habits. Yes. Yeah. So taking a goal of, that you have and actually doing it and like sustaining it, right? Yeah. So um, I think one thing is small goals that are important. So, you know, going to the gym every day for the rest of your life is a really big goal to have. But if you start out with, okay, this week I'm going to go for, I'm going to go twice a week. And then next week I'm going to go three times a week. And then the week after that, I'm still going to go three times a week. And then if I feel like I'm on a good roll with that and I found a good time to go and a friend to go with and a good workout, then I'm going to add a fourth day in and then try to stick with four days, right? So kind of setting those small goals is good. And then, like I mentioned before with another question, being as specific as possible about how you're going to achieve your goals helps you to actually make them into a habit. So saying, like, what time of day are you going to go? How are you going to get there? How long are you going to spend there? What are you going to do when you're there? Are you going to bring a friend with you? Um, What are you going to do afterwards? But being as specific as possible when you visualize it can help you make it into a reality versus more of like a vague, I want to eat better, right? Well, what does eating better mean? It 
can mean different things for different people, right? Or I want to be a better student, what does that mean? So, you know, could it be changing your major? Maybe for someone, it could be getting different grades, it could be tons of different things. So I would say being as specific as possible and then small goals for yourself or breaking that larger goal into a smaller goal. Question? Yeah, I didn't know if you are just raising your hand. Just like some advice for sure. uh, like anybody really that wants to like work out more, think specifically for working out is like people think of going to the gym as like an hour and a half long activity and then you have to like do this and that's like a pretty big chunk of your day to take yeah. off to do that. But it's, and that's like what makes it hard to follow that consistent schedule. Like you can't do that every day. You just mm-hmm. don't have enough time. But if you do something like literally just every time you get out of the shower in the morning, do like 20 push-ups and 10 pull-ups. Yeah. And you like, that's kind of easy to stick to every day. And if you just do that every day, like over time, it, it definitely pays off. And yeah. it's a lot easier than trying to dedicate two hours a day. For sure. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And that also ties in that idea of pairing where you pair a new behavior with an old one. So like yeah. you shower every day, so then yeah. you pair and it with. And if you make it a specific thing, like yeah. after every shower, you just do, just it. do it real quick. Yeah. It takes like and you don't even think about it anymore. You're not like, oh, should I do it? Should I not do it? It's just, this is what I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. Thank you for sharing. Good. Yes. I think this will be our last question. Yes. Okay. All right. I also agree that um, working out with your body weight is underrated, but um, do you have any advice for like when you're in the moment and there's something you know you're supposed to do, like, like work on an essay or something mm-hmm. that you not, don't necessarily have to do that that moment? Mm-hmm. And you're like, in, like you're just kind of like struggling to try to make the right choice. Mm-hmm. Do you mean like it's not super urgent that you do whatever it is you're supposed to do? You could choose something else, but you know that maybe it's a better choice to. Or even if it is like urgent, but mm-hmm. like when you're it's like struggling to do the right thing, and okay, it's not easy to do. Yes. Mm, I mean, I think prayer would be important. I think Father could probably throw in a tip or two with that, right? Yeah. Well. You're talking about like when it's a choice between a good and a bad, yeah. Um, certainly praying, asking God for help, but it sounds to me like you're also asking a good and a good or a good and a neutral. Yeah. You know, like I have this paper due tomorrow. We have 12 hours to do it in. You know, I could watch two hours or something, um, and then get to the paper. Like, how do you get yourself to just say no to all the good and neutrals and say? yes to the best, yes to the thing you know you really need to do. Exactly. Yeah. That's a that's a hard thing and it requires I mean, just being honest about the no's that it's gonna take to say the right yes. You know, a no to like all the tabs that are open on my browser, all, you know, no to like phone in airplane mode, like giving yourself the space to actually do um, I mean spiritually it is it is like a dying to yourself a lot of times. Um, and the FOMO, like I get it. Like in college, it's so it's hard to to sit down and do deep work, like something that takes two hours to do, like a like a good session on a paper. Um, requires that you to say no to a lot of things, and then it might even be that you finally sit down and you're running. You realize, oh yeah, I'm running on three hours of sleep right now, so it's impossible for me to really concentrate on this. So maybe the maybe the right thing to do is take a nap and then get get after it. Like, but if you just uh, fritter away your time watching YouTube or something because you're avoiding doing the thing you know you should be doing. You're wasting all that energy and that time that you could be resting and relaxing. So it's, I mean, it's hard to, that's a big yeah, question. It is. Um, well, and, and I think it's, well, yeah, and I think personal too, like knowing yourself and what you 
tend towards you know if it's if you're someone who likes to procrastinate and you know that you tend to do that you always kind of need to be watching I think most people procrastinate but whatever right but kind of watching yourself for that and seeing you know what your your pitfalls are and it can be something as simple as like I gave you the example with my email tabs right and xing out those tabs so that you can do focused work because I think it is so much harder as college students because you are constantly connected, which can be a really good thing, but it can also be a source of distraction, right? I mean, another example is I took my, um, you can tell I check my email a lot because this example has to do with email too, but I took my email I um, app on my phone and I moved it to its own <coughs> little, what, wallpaper section, whatever you want to call it, and I put it in another app holder I don't know what those words are, but so it's really hard for me to get to my email so that I'm not always checking it on my phone because I found that if I was standing around, I would immediately pick up my phone, open my email without even thinking about it, and then I would see all the things I had to do that I couldn't have, you know, that I couldn't do in that moment, and it would stress me out. So by moving that little tab, I, again, helped make myself slightly more productive or or able to choose maybe the things that are ultimately better for me. Um, rather than getting distracted with, it's not bad to answer emails, right? But there's a time and a place, and if it's not urgent, I don't have to answer it right away. So I think it's just knowing yourself and noticing habits and tendencies, and I think talking to a friend can help you also discern that too. Did you want to add? giving yourself rewards. Like it's, yeah. it's hard to just be the drag, like the narc on yourself all the time, telling yourself that you, you have to be doing this, stuff, and, you, and the self-image starts to suffer because you're like, I can't do it, I'm never good enough. Um, but to give yourself, like, I can work for 20 minutes on a sprint and then get to, give myself a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. Or, I used yeah, to live TV in my dorm room. I had this whole theory that the reason, like, when you're at a restaurant, like Buffalo Wild Wings, why everybody's just looking at the screens all the time instead of talking to the person in front of them is because a TV screen just puts your brain, like, at total mush level of energy. And so it's just, like, your brain's always seeking the lowest energy level. So yeah. what if I use that at, like, for 10 minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. Just turn on the TV on anything that's on because the chances are you can just watch it for 10 minutes and it's even better if you don't care what it is. And just give your brain like a 10 minute break and then go back to the thing mm-hmm. uh, that you're doing. Um, those sort of things, like being realistic with yourself. Like yeah. Instead of sitting down, for trying to sit down for five hours and just cram for an exam, do 20 minute chunks, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that because I think you know, just from like a brain standpoint, you can't sustain that focus for that long. You need breaks, and so it's good to take a break. It's good to let your brain be mush you for ten enjoy minutes. Twitter a lot more if you if you only checked it like five times a day instead of right? Because then you'd have more to scroll through in those moments, right? <laughs> Thank you for sharing. All right, so I think we'll wrap up here. But if you have questions or anything, I mean, you're welcome to come up afterwards or. I mean, you can follow me on Instagram or you can just go on my website and send me an email too through that. It's just juliamariehogan.com and Becca will have that too. So um, she can send it out. But thank you so much and thank you for participating. Sometimes it's like a real quiet audience, you know, and you're having to like pull stuff out, but you guys all participated and shared things. So I'm very grateful. So you guys deserve a round of applause too. So thanks for being here. Thank you.